Hi, welcome to episode three of Murder's a Drag with your host, me, Aura Van Dank. If you're new here, I'm a drag queen in Charlotte, North Carolina, and this is a podcast about queer true crime. Um, so let's let's just talk about some stuff first, okay? I did make an Instagram, and I actually had an Instagram last week when I said I didn't have an Instagram, but <laughs> I, you know me, I'm messy, and that's just how things are with me, but I have one, it's at Murders a Drag, everything is gonna be at Murders a Drag, except maybe not Twitter, because I don't think I can put murder on Twitter, and like my Facebook username couldn't be murders a drag but that's not how you get facebook pages anyway you can still look up murders a drag on facebook instagram um and i have a gmail if you want to send in suggestions suggestions caresses or your own personal experiences stories or if you just want to chit chat i'm here for it all okay so this week i was inspired by american horror story and not this season because I haven't watched it, but I'm not going to make past judgment on it because I haven't watched it. But I will tell you I've been watching this show for nine years, and I am young. I'm 21, so that's a long time for me. And I was have just been very disappointed with the last couple of seasons. Last season I thought was very good, but the ending sucked. The season, the two seasons before that I didn't like at all. And I'm, I live in North Carolina, and I didn't like the Roanoke season. And I just, uh, I digress. Hotel was probably my favorite, my last and most favorite season. Yeah. I really liked Hotel. That's controversial. I know some of you are like, freak show, and some of you are like, Kevin, but like, I liked them all. Except for the ones that I already named that I didn't like, but I did like Hotel the most. And I remember one episode, my favorite actor on that show is Lily Rabe, because first of all, the name Lily, my favorite flower, my favorite name... And Lily Rabe is gorgeous, beautiful, fantastic, one of my favorite actors ever. What was I saying? Oh, so there's one episode when, like, all of the ghost murderers are, or, like, the ghosts of a bunch of serial killers all have dinner with H. H. Holmes. Is that his name? I think so. I hope so. I don't care. Um, And Lily Rabe plays... Eileen Warnos, who, I don't have a favorite serial killer because that's dark, but I kind of have a favorite serial killer, only because murder's murder. If you're insane, you're still killing somebody, regardless of the circumstances, murder is murder, so you have to look at it from that perspective, but I also like to look at it from the psychological perspective, and Eileen, come on, Eileen, I mean... (laughs) This just, she had a lot of issues, and she could have gotten help, and she didn't, and she was ignored, and we're gonna talk about all of that, because I I really am into this, I, I am very interested in this person, and everything I did this week was on paper, because I, I did it at work, and if I was typing, then that would look suspicious, but excuse any crinkles or crinkles, I'm gonna really try not to. So, a lot of people like to refer to Eileen Warnos as the first serial killer, um, but I actually, first, sorry, first serial killer, first female serial killer, but I went ahead and Googled that, and I found, uh, Levina, wait, 
Lavinia Fisher um, from the early 1800s. And I'm in a quick sidebar on her because who knows, maybe I'll do a full episode, but I just want to give you some tea about Lavinia. Um, she had like a bed and breakfast type deal and it, people would like travel into town and stay at her bed and breakfast. And she would poison their tea um, and she would murder the people who came and stayed with her. And I immediately thought of the story, The Landlady, the Roald Dahl short story. I fucking love that story about the guy um, stays with this old lady who's running a and b and she poisons his tea and then ends up, like, she taxidermies all the men that she kills um, because they're still her permanent guests. <laughs> I don't know if she was gay, though, Lavinia, so I'm not sure if I could do an episode on her. I've painted myself into a bit of a corner, but at the same time, there's so much, there's so many queer people being murdered, who have been murdered. I just so happen to have been focused on queer people who murder just because these specific first few stories were so interesting. But my next episode, I promise this is not all about the terrible things that queer people have done. Um, never mind, never mind. Let's get on back on track. Eileen Warnos was gay. She, um, had a, lo- a, a female lover, and she, I believe, identified as gay, but it, it's a little... She may have been bisexual, I'm not entirely sure, but she definitely was a queer person. Um, because I do think that any genuine love that she had for anybody in the situation, it would have been for Tyria. Um, it would have had to have been for her. So, anyway, I'm, we're not going to get into that. That's not all that important. Um, and this is one of the few very famous, like, heavy hitter cases that I'm going to cover because I kind of want to keep this more, like, lesser known um, serial killers and murders and true crime stuff because I want to get that exposure. But at the same time, these stories that I have planned are also very interesting and I want to sprinkle in some heavy hitters because I think people would want to hear it from my perspective. Or at least I hope they would. And if you don't, fuck you. Why are you listening to me? You don't have to be here. Go... Oh, I have heartburn. Okay. <laughs> mm. The show must go on. Let's give her... Okay, let's do a little bit of background about Eileen Carol Warnos. She was born 1956 in Michigan to her mother. Um, her father was a schizophrenic child molester. Um, so there's already some... You know, we we see that psychological... Things like that tend to be hereditary, or can be hereditary, at least. Um, Her mom, Diane, gave all of her children up to her parents and just kind of ditched. She split, left the picture. Eileen's grandparents legally adopted her and her brother in 1960. Um, And this is where it gets kind of sad for Eileen. Uh, When she was 11, she had been sexually assaulted by her grandfather already, and reportedly engaged in sex acts with her brother. So, like, these very unhealthy tendencies with her brother, and she's being assaulted by her grandfather. Um, And it was honestly unclear if her brother abused her. I think that they were both kids. Not that that always matters, but I think that they were both, like, young, young children. Um, When she turned 14, or when she was 14, she became pregnant after being raped by her grandfather's friend. So this is really common, unfortunately, in 
situations of abuse like this where the abuser will have friends or people also abuse their victim. And she became pregnant, and obviously the odds weren't in her favor for how people were going to react, and she was blamed for that pregnancy and forced to put her child up for adoption. I read forced, but I'm not sure... I didn't read anywhere that she expressed that she wanted to raise the child. She was, I mean, she was, this is a very awful, just awful situation. I'd rather not, honestly, go into that much detail. Um, so, on basically, her entire early life was full of trauma. All of those crucial moments in her, like, the brain development and everything, it was just trauma on top of trauma, assault, just being taken advantage of, um, and... At 14, after the baby and after she the baby was put up for adoption, she ended up on the street and became a sex worker. Um, shout out also to other podcasts for teaching me about sensitivity with terms, because I feel like if I would have started this podcast before I listened to you guys, it would be a bad story. I would probably have gotten kicked off of iTunes by now. Um, so this was in like the 80s and or like early or late 70s early 80s and throughout the 80s she had a lot of run-ins with police and had a lot of different charges put on her um I'm just gonna list a couple just so you know kind of what she was up to during this time um, armed robbery, she stole a gun, she stole a car, she forged checks, she faked IDs, she just basically did, you know, all of those things that criminals do, just your, your very stereotypical criminal, I guess, which is, I mean, I think that that kind of shows her, her mental state at that point. Around this time... This great time in her life when she was really flourishing, she met Tyria Moore, who is who she says is the only woman she's ever loved, and she was in love with her until the end. <clears throat> okay, so welcome to 1989. Let's talk about some highway murders. And there's a lot of highway murders, and there's like 11,000 freeway murderers, and maybe that's foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that was cute. I'm sorry. A heartburn, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. So, as we're aware, Eileen was a sex worker, and at this point, and she was 33 years old, um, and she had been a sex worker since she was 14, so she has had it rough, and she honestly was not an, anywhere near mentally stable, and I don't think Tyria could have been mentally stable either. I don't know if that's how you say her name, but that's T-Y-R-I-A, so I don't know. But I, she couldn't have been very mentally stable if she was, like, living with this woman on the street. No judgment, but a little bit. Um, they traveled, like, the mid-northern Florida area. Uh, they mostly stayed on the interstates and um, truck stops, motels, th- that kind of thing. And then their horrific adventures started in 1989. Or I'm operating under the assumption that Tyria was involved because of the way that she acted in the end. I'm attempting not to crinkle the paper. Crinkle, crinkle. On December 13th, 1989, the body of uh, 51-year-old Richard Mallory 
was found by a deputy sheriff um, in the woods several miles away from Richard's abandoned car. Um, he'd been shot in the chest at point-blank range multiple times. So this is clearly homicide, clearly aggressive. Um, Richard was a convicted rapist who Eileen later claimed was... Oh, spoiler alert, Eileen killed him. Who later claimed was assaulting her or trying to rape him or... Fuck. Trying to rape her when she killed him, like, in self-defense. Which I believe the story... We'll get back to that. Um, then 43-year-old construction worker David Spears, um, is believed to be her second victim. <clears throat> the timeline's a little fucked up from, I mean, there's just a lot of, like, contradicting timelines. It, it's kind of common in looking at these murders in, like, who they killed when. I don't know. I try to go by, um, fuck, I can't think of the word. Quintessential order? No. Consequential? What's... Shit! I promise I went to college. I didn't stay, but I went to college. Oh, fuck. You know what? <laughs> We're just gonna have to, to continue. We're just gonna have to keep going. I can't think of it. You guys tell me. You guys tell me. Mm, so David Spears, 43-year-old construction worker, was found completely naked. Um... He was shot six times in the torso. Again, very violent, very close up. So, like, in a car, probably. Um, it's believed that Tyria was with Eileen through all of this. Riding in stolen cars and spending the stolen money. I'm just putting that out there. Um, this is Eileen's third murder. Charles Carr's Cadden. Oh, fuck. I can't read my own hand handwriting. I think that's what it says. Oof, I should have typed that up. I'm sorry. It's been a crazy week. It sure has. So her fourth victim, um, Peter Symes. Seems? Symes? I don't know. His body was never found, but his car was found in Orange Springs, Florida, where Eileen and Tyria had been seen by a witness um, abandoning his stolen car. And he apparently was a retired uh, merchant seaman, so, I think that means he was a pirate. <laughs> I mean, merchant seaman. So, like, pirate. Down. That's who he was. And they killed him. Um, and he was apparently very devoted to his church. Whilst also soliciting sex on the interstate. So, hmm. Praise God. Solicit sex. Listen. Line the sex worker's pockets. That's all I gotta say. Okay, and also, they found uh, palm prints in his stolen car that matched Eileen's prints. So they were able to place that murder on her, because he was already considered dead, or however they deal with that after somebody goes missing. Um, four days after, 50-year-old um, sausage salesman <laughs> Troy Burris was reported missing. Um, his fairly decomposed corpse... Which, like, was kind of strange to me because it was only four days. But it was found in the woods. Excuse me. Off State Route 19. Um, the medical examiner was able to determine through all the decompetition... Decompetition. Decomposition. 
Which is, like, really weird to me, because four days and there was that much decomposition that, like, it was a a feat to figure out that it was he was killed by two gunshot wounds to the tummy. Mm. Um, then Dick Humphreys, very unfortunate name, I'm sorry, um, age 56, was found shot six times in the head and torso in uh, Marion County. He was ex-military and a former former state child abuse investigator and former chief of police. So, like, fuck. And she, they killed him. Um, rest in peace, Dick Humphreys. His car was found in Suwanee, Suwanee County, which indicates that Eileen had stolen that, too, since they drove it so far, it was driven so far away. Um, and her final victim was Walter Antonio. He was 62 years old, and he was found murdered almost naked off of a remote logging road in Dixie County, Florida. He was shot four times, and his car was stolen. Um, again, it was found in Brevard County. So, I don't know why I gave counties and locations. Maybe it'll mean something to somebody in Florida. But it was found far away from where these people were killed, so it meant that somebody stole the car. Clearly, dead people can't drive. So, in under a year, Eileen had killed that many people. It wild. Crankle, crankle, there goes the pain. Crankle, crankle, there goes the pankle. So, let's talk about some arrests, lies, and betrayal. So, Tyria, Eileen's girlfriend, allegedly left Warnos in 1990 after becoming suspicious of Eileen's activities. I don't know where all these stolen cars are coming from that are covered in blood, Eileen, but I don't, I don't trust you anymore. I'm starting to think maybe you might be killing people. <laughs> um, I have just the slightest hunch that she knew and was exploiting her, albeit a very violent serial killer, mentally ill girlfriend. I mean, it's a very big possibility. I'm just putting it out there. Um, <clears throat> bloop. Anywho, pst, based off of the eyewitness testimony of Tyria and Eileen ditching Peter Symes' car, um, the witness apparently gave names as well as the description. They were able to name who they saw, so I guess they must have known who those people were. Um, along with the fingerprints and the victim's cars and receipts, more evidence, media frenzy, everything's going on. They were able to find Eileen and Tyria. Um, they found Tyria in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and they found Eileen at this little biker bar in Florida. It's kind of cute. I put a picture of it on Instagram, and that's why you should go onto Instagram and see where they had cotton. Eileen Hornos. Um, they allegedly were separated at the time, which I believe because Florida and Pennsylvania are kind of far away. I don't know why I put that in there. I don't need no answers here. Um, police made a deal with Tyria. Basically, they said if you can get Eileen to admit that she murdered all these men, then we'll put we'll give you immunity and you won't get charged with anything. No conspiracy, no nothing. Um, 
So, obviously, she agrees, and they set up some phone calls, staged phone calls, from Tyria to Eileen in jail. Um, and eventually, after all this, like, really, like, I love you so much, they're gonna arrest me if you don't fess up to all these murders, and Eileen is this mentally ill woman who is madly in love with this woman, and she confessed to the murders in an attempt to save Tyria's ass, so, yeah. Um... She did claim at first, though, that the men were trying to rape her when she killed them. Which I think is likely for Richard Mallory, but I'm not sure about the other ones. But like I said, she's very mentally ill, very violent. It's a lot. I do have pity for her, which is, I don't know if that's bad, but I do. Um, Tyria Moore testified against her. And ultimately, they found her guilty of murder. Um, and despite a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, she was sentenced to death, not offered any help, no nothing. Just sentenced to death right off the bat. And it was also said that um, Richard Mallory was reported to possess strong sociopathic tendencies and was literally held in a maximum security facility for rape. So I definitely think that it's possible that um, Richard Mallory had solicited sex from Eileen while she was working on the Florida highways, and when he tried to assault her after all the times that she was assaulted as a child... This was, like, you know, the the straw that broke the camel's back. And she, you know, cued a subsequent murder, murder spree, but it's... I definitely believe that's very likely, in, in my opinion. But that's all speculation, because I'm dramatic and I like to make up these stories. Despite all the facts about Mallory, though, the judge refused to take that into consideration. So, great. And while she was in prison... Um, she went back and forth between claiming that the murders were self-defense and also claiming that she did it out of cold blood. But she also said that they were, like, messing with her head with sonic pressure while she was being held at the correctional institution, the Broward Correctional Institution. Again, might mean something to somebody. Um, so clearly her mental state was deteriorating because she was unmedicated, untreated, diagnosed mentally ill, um, and on October 9th, 2002, Eileen was executed, and that's kind of sad for me, but I, I mean, like, yeah, no, I don't like the death penalty, that's just my opinion, um, it's just kind of, I mean, there's, I don't have that much pity for all of the violent murders that she pulled off, but it's just, there's a lot in this case that could have done differently if, she had gotten the help that she needed. But it doesn't excuse violent murders. Nothing excuses a violent murderer. In. My. Opinion. So, yeah. That is Eileen Warno's episode. Sorry, I just got so close to the microphone. I am in a beanbag chair this week. And I'll tell you. It's difficult to work the computer and the producing aspect, if you will. But it is comfy as hell. And I don't think I am... Yeah, this is the chair now. This is the podcasting chair. Also, I do want to hear your stories. I want to hear, like, a gay version of I Survived. Because, um, 
next week, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm going to talk about the murder of Matthew Shepard. And most people know what that is, um, but if you don't, tune in next week. It's awful. It's terrible. Um, and I think it's important to discuss it. But I want to hear non-awful and terrible stories. It doesn't have to be as extreme as that, but, you know, where you where there's survival at the end. And, I mean, a lot of good things did end up coming out of the Matthew Shepard case in the end, but... Um, I want to hear, you know, stories that don't have tragic endings all the time. So, you know, gay I survive stories. I want them. You got them. I want them. You got them, baby. I want them. Okay, I think this was a good week of episodes. I'm going to take a nap in this fucking beanbag chair. Sip on this brisk lemon iced tea. Go get you one. Brisk, give me my check. I want you to all subscribe, like, comment, and rate. Please rate me on iTunes. I'm like a solid 6.5. And there's only five stars, so you're going to have to give me like a five. Get it? See what I did there? But when you rate me, that's how I get on the charts. That's how I get more attention. And that's how I get people to listen to me. Pretty please. And go look at my Instagram. I glued gummy worms to my face this weekend. It was cute. It was a gig. I met Vander Von Odd. I almost shit my pants. Uh, it was a great time. And you should follow me on Instagram to see more great times and pictures from things that I talk about in this podcast. It was great seeing you guys again. You're a little microphone with a blue light in case you didn't know what you looked like. Love you. Bye. Mwah.